Good morning, Christ Central. Uh, today's reading comes from Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. May be seated. Good morning, Christ Central Church. Good morning. I'm glad you can join us this morning. My name is Josh Kim. I'm a, one of the pastors here at Christ Central Church. And I noticed that as we do um, free-for-all, right, basically you could say whatever you want. And typically what happens is we have a small section in the front that just gets empty, you know, as we fill up from the back. And I think that's, a, that's coming back in some sense. But all this to say, I want to encourage you to come closer. Um, come closer. I won't bite Come closer as we worship, as we transition in this season, as we walk together as the body of Christ. Amen? amen. Okay. All who said amen next week, I'll see you at the front. Um, as the calendar turns to June, and as we know, we're entering into a new season at Christ Center Church. We're actually starting a new sermon series called the Summer of Psalms. Summer of Psalms. So for the next three months in the summertime, we'll be going through Psalms. And the question is, why Psalms? of all books during this season. And Psalms actually can be easily understood as wisdom and worship. Wisdom and worship. Wisdom is a genre of the literature that Psalm is in. And that's one of the commentators would say, Psalm teaches us how to live wisely or living skillfully in this season. And I believe that's what we need. We need wisdom as we not only go through these times of transition for the church, but all of our lives, we need wisdom from the Lord. But Psalm is also known as a book of worship. It is an official hymn book of the Bible. And again, I believe this is what we need more than anything else. In this season that we're in, we need to learn what it means to worship, to look to the Lord and wait on Him during this season that we're all in this together. So hopefully this gives us a good foundation of why we're looking at psalms in the season, seeking God's wisdom and worshiping the Lord as we gather uh, in his presence. And what better way to begin than chapter 1, isn't it? Psalm 1, which captures both this wisdom and worship beautifully together. One of the things that I did, and I think a lot of us do, when I first to start to date my future wife, or my wife now, Lynn, was to get a bouquet of flowers. And I had no idea what that meant. All the flowers I knew in the world were carnations because of the Mother's Day, or roses, because that's what commonly people know. But the next best thing I knew how to do was go to the local grocery store and pick whatever is on sale that day. And I thought that was it. But then I found out my wife actually really liked peonies. 
First of all, I had to Google what that was because I never really learned what peonies were. And when I learned what those flowers were, it was a specialty flower that I had to go to a local flower shop to get. When I got to the local flower shop, I picked up one peony, thinking, well, that's, that's it, right? And I got to the, the, the person and said, I just want this. And the person looked at me and said, what do you mean you just want this? Like, how do you want it? What color scheme do you want it in? What's the occasion behind this? And quickly, I learned that there's a lot of other things that go to create a bouquet. The person said, do you want to add, a, uh, do, how do you want to do arrangements? Do you want to add greenery to it? Do you want to get some baby's breath? And I soon realized it's not actual baby's breath. It's those white flowers that go around the flowers, right? And I was like, wow, those cost money too. <laughs> and you get that around it, and it becomes a bouquet. What I realized, the beauty was not only in the flower itself, but how it was arranged with other fillers, the greenery, the theme, in the hands of the master arrangement. In the hands of the master flower arranger made this flower come alive, ultimately representing my heart for my girlfriend at the time, a presentation of my heart to my girlfriend at the time. I think we all agree that there's beauty in community. We all desire it. We all want it. As one of your pastors, I, one of my job is to meet with a lot of newcomers. And you know the first question they ask? Will I find community here? Will you accept me as who I am? And will this church approve or actually welcome me in to the body as it was meant to be? And we all want it. We all desire it. And we also struggle with it. And that's what we're going to discuss today as we look at Psalm 1. Do you know that in Scripture, there is not a word that actually translates word for word to community? Not a word in the Scripture. But the concept, the idea of community is throughout the Scripture, whether it is ethnos, the peoples of generations of Genesis, or to koinonia, the fellowship, the sharing of the Gospels, to ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, in epistles, or the gathering of the multitude of the people in Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the importance of com community, God's people gathering throughout it all. And that's the same case with the Psalm 1 today as we look at it. Although in today's reading, the word community does not appear in it, in the context of what we read today, in the writer of the Psalm today, gives us the importance of community again and again and again. Hence, this morning's title is The Art of Living in God's Community. Because not only do we find joy, as the Psalm writer said, true blessedness in community, but we see that this Psalm teaches us what it means to be truly joyful through the community. And that is all the more so in this season as we go into Psalms, because oftentimes we look at the Scripture and think it's all about me. What is God telling me? But actually, Scripture is for us all. In fact, Scripture was read aloud, and that's why we preach still, right? People often say, why do you preach for like 30, 40 minutes? I mean, like, let's do something else. But throughout the history of church, the Scripture was read aloud to the congregation together. Because God's word is not just for you personally, but it has a communal importance where we as God's people gather to listen so that our hearts are shaped by how God wants us to be. 
so that our hearts are shaped by the wisdom of the Lord, and in response, we worship our God. So we see the importance of community in Psalm 1 today. But as we delve into that, we realize the community is hard, isn't it? Building it, being a part of it, finding it, man, you name it. Not to mention the cultural differences that you and I have, the challenges of the generations that we have, the preferences that we all have. We are all used to the things that we grew up in, right? You add that ethnicity, the reasons where you grew up, the cities, the distance, the life stage, common interest. It's not easy to find a community in the midst of all that, not to mention the pains, the church hurt. Many of us have in trying to find it and not having it. But despite the challenges that we have, we're called to build it. We're trying to have it. Not only because it provides with sense of belonging, being cared for, finding people to do life together with, and live in this world is very important. And we all want that. We all desire that. We know I don't need to belabor this point to say you need community. And we all say, yeah, I do. We all do. We all desire. We all seek it. But despite all the benefits of that, the greater reason why you and I are called to persevere in seeking the community, why we as a church, God's community, is called to build one as a body of Christ where people can find shelter in it, is not only because it's a good thing to have, but as we find in Psalm 1, it is what you're created for. The community that is truly blessed truly joyous, centers around who God is, centers around God's desire, God's call for us is who you're meant to be. So I invite you this morning, church, as we start this new season, to consider what God is calling us to live in and providing guidance for us as we live it. And what we find in Psalm 1 is that we are both created to be in the community you're also created for the community. You're created to be in the community, but also you're created for the community. First thing we see that we're created to be in the community. We're created to be in the community. For generations, the wisdom of growing certain plants together has been passed down and down and down. According to this website, a plant growing website, it says certain plants grow rapidly while others do not. So some plants actually paired together, exude toxins that stunt the plant growth or kill plants or invade one's space and takes away all the nutrients, all the sunlights away. So it's important for you to place the right kind of plants together together. As a gardener, the website says you're both the mayor, the city planner for your garden by growing plants with good companions. You bring peace and prosperity to your town Alternatively, the planting of destructive plants can quickly bring your gardens to ruins. And some of us who are gardeners have green thumb, we know that very well as well. And some of us, or all of us, who are used to trying to care for the lawn, you know the crabgrass is just days away. Similarly, this psalm, in speaking of joy, in building this true blessedness in a community, shows the importance of who you are surrounded by. In verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not 
follow the advice of the wicked, or stand with the sinners, or join in with the mockers. And in verse 4 it says, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. The psalm writer here is speaking of a true joyous person, the people group. Or in some of your translations, it says truly blessed person. And I'll add that the person who's truly happy or blessed is the one who lives his life according to what God intends the person to be. Truly wisdom-filled life is a blessed life. And in order to picture for us where the origin of the joy comes from, the psalm writer gives contrast to the source of the one's value and guidance, meaning based upon whether where one gets its value and guidance in small orientation that are often present within the wisdom and literature, we find the origins of joy, wisdom, and way of life. The writer starts by saying where the source of the origin of joy is not from. And he says the source of joy is not from the advice of the wicked being around the sinners and joining in the mockers. They give off a false sense of community. And this is a comprehensive picture of the one whose way is incorrect or inconsistent with the ways of the Lord. The wicked is used in describing the guilt of a crime. Sinners is used when one speaks of one who is in error, who is mistaken. Mockers is the one who deprives, who takes away, who lacks the truth rather than who adds to the community. Furthermore, in verse 4, lingering in this wicked community, they say they do not bear fruit. And the writer goes to say they're like a chaff that gets blown away. And he's using an agricultural analogy here where chaff is a dry, leftover cover of a barley that flies away when you toss it in the air because it's weightless. And it gives false sense of presence that's there, but when the wind comes, it takes away. This false gathering of the wicked does not belong in the way God intends us to live as it stunts our growth, let alone bear any fruit, but ultimately headed towards the eternal destruction. But in contrast to that, the songwriter says, the true community does otherwise. Verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. You see, in contrast to the community that is weightless, that flies away, this community delights, meditates in God's law. If the wicked community was pictured with the following standing joining, thus lingering in it, this community not only delights but meditates, but also puts into practice. It's not just head knowledge growing overnight, but it's a, it's a community that not only grows in wisdom, but is also action-oriented. True fruit-producing, lingering life-giving according to the way of the Lord. And you have to know that this is not talking about a perfect community. It's not saying you have to belong to a sinless community where we're all Christ followers and say, kumbaya, we're all good in this club together. Because obviously Jesus didn't do that, right? He obviously didn't do that. And verse chapter 1 of Psalm is actually embodiment of Christ. Jesus actually did otherwise. And you and I, as much as we and I try, you and I will not find the perfect community. 
as often as we said it from this pulpit, because I'm in it, right? You're in it. Hence, you and I will never find the perfect community because you and I are both sinners in need of God's grace, right? Obviously, this is a call not for a perfection, for a broken people to gather together. It's about a heart orientation, as we say, direction. As we gather as a broken people invited by the Lord to come in, the question is, who are we looking towards for transformation, change of the heart, renewal of the heart, so that we could build this community together? The psalm writer is highlighting the importance of surrounding ourselves with people who not only want to, but humbly seek after in need of God's grace to come into their lives so their lives could be changed so that they could be part of this community. You need that. We're meant for that. So this psalm writer is saying the transforming power of God's word must be at the center of any community you and I belong to in order for us to have any hope in this world. And the psalm writer reminds us that you and I are made for a community like that to live amongst those who collectively seek after the Lord as broken people, with all our burdens, with all our pains, with all our sufferings, not a lone ranger model that's out there on our own, doing all the right things on your own, but communal, centering on God's love as an outflow of love for one another. Church, you know what that means for us? That means how we evaluate community it's not based upon preferences, what we're used to be in. Our focus should not be on creating a social club, a country club, or with like-minded people that, that act and value the same thing as I do, or political affiliations, or even a place where you feel comfortable or relaxed to walk in. I'm not saying those are bad things. You need that, right? You have to be comforted. But if that's the only place you're looking for community in God's body, perhaps you're looking for the wrong thing. How do we define our community? It has to be at the, at the heart, not the world-centered, but the word-centered, Jesus-centered, gospel-oriented, loving community that welcomes brokenness, Sinners in need of his loving grace, a place where marginalized and those who are suffering are put at the forefront. That is a true definition of gospel-centered community. Sometimes as your pastor, I hear words such as, just preach the gospel, right? Just preach the gospel, church. Pastor, just focus on preaching the gospel. And often my answer to them is, we do. You know? Well, at least we try to, right? Are you trying to? We try to. What I mean is that if you're in a place where the Word of God is faithfully preached every Sunday, right, you can't help but to be challenged by that. Don't you think so? Unless you're Christ himself sitting there today, right? Because you and I are not, especially because I'm not perfect. Whatever the words come out of my mouth is not perfect, right? We still have the remnants of sin living in us, but we should also not be surprised when the word of God from the scripture is spoken to us, it will convict us on Sunday. It will challenge us in our community gatherings as the word of God goes before us and speaks into the sin that entangles us. It's got to impact the lives that we live. 
As humorist Finley Peter Dune once said, famously said, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Not just with the news, but we're dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So surely I hope that you come on Sunday morning, not only nodding in agreement with every words that come out of my mouth or come out of this pulpit, but being prodded, pushed, challenged, and ultimately feeling uncomfortable in your way of life because the Word of God is entering into your heart, doing the work in your life to transform, to challenge, to say you are meant to be God's people. Grow to bear fruit. Linger. Gather. Permeate. Not only in this community, in the place you're called to go to. That's what it means to be a church that's centered in the Word of the Lord. Amen? Church, let's do this together, right? Church ought to be one of the most uncomfortable places for you. Not just to hear the things that tickle your ear, but the Word of God that may go against perhaps what you are so used to, but the way that God wants us to live. That is a community you and I are called to be a part of. For a number of years, I had a chance to go to India for mission trips. And my itinerary to go to, uh, to India was so packed. At one time, I remember going to India for worship service on Sunday, flying back and having a layover in Korea for another day, and I would go to a Bible study with my aunt because she really wanted me to go as a pastor. Uh, with my uh, really tired eyes, I went, and the next day I would come back to the States, and on the next Sunday I would testify to what has happened. And what I noticed is that each place was so different. Right? From India, from the, uh, the Korea, from the U.S., and how they worship, what they sing, how people gather, the customs of the day, how people stand, sit, all those things are completely different. But you know what? One thing united them all. Me. No, not me. But gospel, <laughs> I just want to make sure you're paying attention, right? Gospel of Christ that was there in preaching to all these three different generations, different context, different cultures, but the gospel of Christ that brought them together. Dr. Diane Lamberg, a counselor for 40 years, writes, it is good to be challenged, for I find human beings, myself included, to be relentlessly egocentric. Our typical response to difference, whether it be in a spouse or another culture, is to back up and or judge in as inferior. We are uncomfortable, even fearful about entering in, Experiencing different changes, our lenses humbles us and increases not only our understanding, but get this, but our capacity to love. Church, I believe that's what community is for, to grow to love as Christ has loved, to share the love of Christ in and through us as the one who is so different but Christ who came to transform our lives so you now can be those agents of God's love to those who may be completely different than you. So come church, oh people of God, in this season particularly, in a danger and a temptation that says scatter. In this pandemic where we're so comfortable in our homes. I watched worship service last Sunday in the comforts of my uh, couch, I'm like, man, this is so comfortable. But I invite you to come back. Come to this community. 
Not only that we preach Christ-centeredness, so we could live out Christ-centeredness in how we relate, how we love our people, and how we testify to Christ in the watching world today. Amen? You're made for it, church. That's how God created us. But not only you're made to be in the community, but you're also made for the community. You're made for the community. What we see in this text is that your job is not only to find the community to be in it, but for your job, how you're created, is not only to be in the community, but be for the community. Be in it, but also be for the community. In speaking of making sure that we all grow together, this is what the A's old wisdom says about gardening like-minded plants. Again, from this website, almost any article on companion planting references Native American three sisters planting strategy. This age-old grouping involves growing corn, beans, and squash, often pumpkins, in the same area. Why? As the corn stalks grow, beans naturally find support by climbing up the stalk. Beans and all their legumes fix nitrogen in the soil, which supports the large nutritional needs of corn. Squash grows rapidly, and the large squash leaves shade out the weeds and serve as natural weed blocker. Good plant companions work in support of each other. So it's these three different plants. Age-old wisdom supports in growing together to build this community. And that's what we see, church. You're made not only to be in it, but your presence is meant to be for the community. Verse 3 says, They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. And herein lies the beauty of the gospel imagery, isn't it? This fruit-bearing, fruit-producing, you do not only living in a community where you find benefit of being with others, but this community is not entirely up to you by yourself. Rather, it is God who works through you to provide for the community. The verb that's used here in producing fruit in his original language, what we call it, in the grammatical words, uh, imperfect future tense. And you're like, what is that, right? I didn't know what that was until I learned it. Uh, the future, the imperfect future tense indicates that this always happens, right? The fruit-bearing language basically says this fruit will always happen because they're by the riverbanks, like there's traffic at 5 p.m. all the time. You expect it, right? It's not like if there's nobody, no traffic at 5 p.m., you wonder, like, what day is this? Did something happen? Like, did everybody go somewhere? Um, or 77 is always, no matter what day of the, what hour of the day, it's going to be packed. You expect it. They're going in, right? American Airlines will always be canceled at the last minute. You expect <laughs> it going in, right? Knowing that they have monopoly here, right? Um, for basketball fans, you know that LeBron James was going to be in NBA Finals, but not anymore, right? Was going to be NBA Finals. You kind of expect it every year. It always happens. Natural flow of things, natural way of life. You are surprised when it does not happen. So when it says, bearing fruit in its season, it is saying, if you are by the water, by the riverbanks, you will produce fruit. You will prosper. 
you have to be impacted. No way it will not impact you. It's got to have an effect because of where it's planted. It's soaking up nutrients, which indicates it's not the tree itself that's bearing the fruit. It is the person who planted the tree there that's expecting the fruit. Where the tree matters, because it's all up to the gardener, tree planter, not the tree itself. So that means, church, when you are in this community that centers, that delights, as you live that a life that is oriented towards Christ, you cannot help but to follow him. It is not God saying, because you are a tree, produce something for me and for others. It's saying, because I planted you here and the word of God is present, you cannot help but to produce fruit that will be for the community. There has been a renewed interest, church, in a spiritual disciplines or spiritual soul care that's solely needed. We read a lot, all about them through Dr. Barbara Peacock's books throughout sabbatical time. Um, some of us are exposed to Dallas Willard. Some of us really love Rich Beardos. Some of us love John Mark Comer, who talks about the rule of life, what it means to be in the world, in a community. And one time he said, keep reading the word, right? Okay, keep reading the word of the Lord, even if you don't see the impact now, because it is doing something in you. As my pastor once said, you don't grow overnight because you ate a nice juicy steak one day. It's that daily meal that your mom gave you is the reason why you got tall all of a sudden, right? It's not like we steak every single day or you'll be disgusted by it, right? So it's not just Sunday worship that impacts your life, but every day walking with the Lord, not only in meditating upon the word, but also receiving the fruit of the others that live, that you grow to reflect the beauty of Christ. And isn't that what Hebrew writer also reminds us, that the word of God has that power in us? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between souls and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That means, church, you may not see just because you went to Sunday service, because you read the scripture for one day, that tomorrow you're like all of a sudden changed men. Wouldn't it be great if I read the scripture, I'm like perfect husband the next day? You know? It's not. Not going to happen. But God is at work. I'm keep going at it because God is going to work. And because God is at work, I am going to produce fruit because God will transform my life as I seek after the Lord. And the question is, what are these fruits and who is it for? Right? First of all, what is the fruit that we produce? We see it in Galatians chapter 5, don't we? Paul reminds us what the fruit is. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And what is this fruit for? Yes, of course it helps you to be a loving person, right? It helps you to be a joyful person, peaceful person, patient person, and we need that. We need to learn to that for ourselves. But, you know, ultimately, you produce fruit for others, right? They get to see a glimpse of Christ because of the fruit that you produce. Isn't that what Jesus says? By this love, they will know you belong to me. By this love, you will testify to the Christ, not because you got this doctrine correctly, not because you got this nice program or you stand with the right people, but by this love, the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of you because of the work of Christ done in your life, 
they will know who I am, right? So it's not just simply become a better person. It's becoming someone that produces fruit in light of who Christ is. By all means, church, we all have our roles to play. Because Paul, in the same book, tells us we all have are part of different body of Christ. He goes on to say God gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. And I can say in our church, some are called to be community group leaders, elders, women shepherds, greeters, ushers, deacons, deaconesses, nursery volunteers, children's church teachers, praise team members, women's ministry leaders, men's ministry leaders, young adults, whatever role that you may play, you're called to be that, even just faithfully attending for now. You're all gifted, talented in various ways, but ultimately, all of us are called to grow together, to produce fruit, Christ-bearing fruit in our lives so that we could urge one another on, spur one another on in our imperfect attempt to love our perfect Savior. That means you and I are made in the image of God, uniquely gifted for this particular community today. Your presence, your attendance, your service, your faithfulness matters to us. Not only to me, to all of us, not so that we could run this church going. I'm not trying to get more volunteers right now, right? But what I'm saying is your presence, as you participate in this community, you are for this community. God is at work. It is not that what you provide, what gifts you bring to the table, how smart, how wealthy, how many years of experience, knowledge, position, power you got matters. But what's important is that God is working in and through you for this community, for this moment. And your participation, how you are made for this community, echoes not only in this community today, but you know what you do today matters and echoes in eternity. That's what we see in verse 5, don't we? It says, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. This verse 5 to 6, church, is the end time language when Jesus returns, the judgment. And it speaks of the day when Jesus will return and we will be standing before him. And in verse 6, when it says, the Lord watches over, in other translation, it says more aptly, the Lord knows. What this psalm reminds us is that this community that gathers around God's word, that transforms, produce fruit for others, is forever known by our God. As we are often reminded, when Jesus walked in earth, he knows his sheep, his flock. When John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own knows me. John chapter 10, again, 26, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hears my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And here, who is righteous, according to verse 6? The one who is planted. The one who bears fruit with, for the others. The righteous are the ones who embrace Lord's gracious covenant by repenting of their sins and believing in the promise and by faith, faithfully living for him. Notice what this says as well. As you read and get to know him, the scripture says he knows you. He knows you with affection, not only intellectually, relationally. He knows you inside out. 
He knows your pains. He knows your sufferings. He knows the sin that entangles you. But he is also with you as you grow, as you struggle to bear fruit. God goes deeper in his relationship with you as you grow to be for this community. So your personal growth in the Lord not only matters for you personally. We all know that it impacts our families. It impacts this community at large as we gather to worship the Lord. And this echoes in eternity, doesn't it? In heaven, in Revelation 7, 9, when we see the multitude of gathering of God's people, what do they do? They worship. They center around God, working, serving, praising, knowing to be known by God. That is a picture of the heaven that is to come. Church, you're made to be in this community, but you're also made for community, and you're made to be a picture of eternal community that is to come. Do you believe that? Do you want to be part of that? Come and be part of this community as we gather from children to adults and made in the image of God, made for God's community. My mother-in-law is an orchid whisperer, as I would say. When I first had a chance to meet her, I asked my wife, what is a gift I could bring so I could win her favor? Because here, you know, I don't have a lot of good things going for me, so I have to do something to win her favor. So I was thinking, maybe I'll get orchids, because she likes orchids. So I went to Home Depot, and with my limited budget I got, I got the biggest and most expensive, the biggest and most expensive orchid where I had to hold it with two hands and carry it, gently place it in my car. And at least for me at the time, it was very expensive. Um, thinking, oh, well, I'm going to stand out. This thing is so big, it's got to be part of their like, house decor forever. Right? But when I got there, I soon realized that wasn't the case. Because the first thing she did was show me her orchid collection. They covered the entire backyard. And when I got there, man, they're all different sizes and shapes. I learned quickly that it wasn't how expensive or how big my orchid was that mattered. It was actually whose hand that was taking care of it that actually mattered. Not only does she take care of them well, but even revives the sick ones. Even once that is transplanted, hurt in another home when it comes to this home with the care and love of the orchid whisperer. It receives healing, love. And you know what? It ultimately becomes the part of the beautiful garden that she's creating to form a beautiful imagery of orchid collection, orchid community, was done by this great orchid whisperer. Church, God calls us to be in this beautiful community. Not because how great you are, how expensive, how large of a fruit that you produce, but because of our orchid whisperer works in us. How is this psalm supposed to be read? As we sing this song, as we read this song, as we meditate upon this song, what it does is we sing this to one another, remind one another you are called to be planted by the streams of water together. Let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray, church. We're called to be a part of this community, a body of believers, to gather to worship our Savior, to reflect the beauty of Christ. Let's pray and commit ourselves to the Lord. 
and the ways that you are made for this community in this season particularly, can I invite you all to partake in this transition with us, to walk with us. And as we meditate upon what God is going to do, let's pray in anticipation because it is God's church and God's going to produce his fruit in his time for this community. Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer. As you gather to worship our God this morning, as we seek after the Lord in wisdom, we pray the Lord will grow to reflect this beauty of Christ in all that we do. Father, we are called to be in this community. We're made for this community. Father, may you produce fruit in accordance with what you want this church and this body to reflect, not only in this church body, but as we go forth in other communities they've called us to be, whether it is in our workplaces, when our uh, close families and friends, Father, we pray in our neighborhoods there will be a light that shines, a fruit-producing member um, that can help but to uh, be impacted by God's grace, can help but to love those around us so that, Lord, you will be known uh, to them by the love that you have shown us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this gathering. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.